Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the kitchen table. Um, my name is Emily. She, they pronouns. My name is Natalia. She, series. My name is Iman. They, them. And based on this week's episode, we will be talking about generational trauma. We posted an uh, Instagram story on our social media page, and the public wanted to talk about generational trauma. And that it is definitely a topic that we have discussed multiple times and have seen impacted in our everyday dynamics, motives, actions, etc. So an opening statement for today's episode is, your trauma is not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. I really don't know who started this. <laughs> I feel like it was Iman that brought it up at some point last year, but I think it was. we can't come to the consensus <laughs> on who started it, <laughs> or if it's a, a quote for someone from someone, so mm. we don't know, but... It's our opening statement. And before we start, one question just to throw onto the table is, how do you guys define trauma? I think for me, uh, trauma is just anything that caused me pain. And that, like, I vividly remember the pain. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. I just associate trauma with pain. And that's what, yeah. that's what it is for me. And it doesn't even have to be, like, physical. It just could be, like, verbal and just other different ways that it manifests itself. Yeah. I think for me, trauma is a response to pain. Mm. So, like, um, a lot of the trauma that I feel like we experience is a response to pain that comes from, like, larger institutions or, you know, interpersonal connections, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, I feel like for me, trauma is more of, like, a response. And then, because when I think about that, I'm like, okay, how do we, like, unpack our trauma? And it's essentially, like, kind of getting rid of these things that are wired within us that are a yeah. result to, like, painful experiences and painful shit that has happened to us. Mm-hmm. Shit, I'm going to go with that. I like that one. <laughs> it is the response. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think my definition kind of connects both of you guys' idea. Like, I definitely agree that trauma is a response, but also as I'm getting older and having discussions surrounded by generational trauma, I feel like it's like pain that I never realized I had before. Mm. And it's just it's been suppressed for a long time because I feel like generational trauma comes a lot from your childhood. Yeah. In your childhood, you know, you're a young person. Like, you don't know much. You don't have language. So it's definitely responses of pain that you didn't necessarily notice at first. Um, but before we start going in-depth with our questions and stuff, <laughs> Natalia, just like 10 minutes ago, found this uh, <laughs> website. And Natalia, you could explain what it means. Um, I just wanted to see how much fucking trauma I had, <laughs> actually. And so we took this quiz um, in this website called mind.betterme.world. Um, and you could just search up. It's called Childhood Trauma uh, Quiz. And we just took this little quiz, um, and we got our personal summary of the types of traumas that we have and how badly it impacts our well-being. <laughs> and let's just say my shit is just all over the place. So. Um, no, really, though, I just finished it. And, bro, my shit is all red for rejection trauma. It's severe. <laughs> No, mine is, my shit is red as fuck. Like, no, that shit is, like, severe, like, <laughs> bitch, you fear rejection. That is your biggest fear. Um, oh, my God. And I have um, 
my second highest is injustice trauma. It means high when people's decisions and actions were unfair to oh. fair to you. And I can see that. You know, I think dishonesty is and um, disloyalty is one of my top like boundaries that I need with people. And I yeah. feel like maybe that impacted my generational trauma. Um, Want to share anything <laughs> to the class? <laughs> okay. I feel like oh, my abandonment trauma is the highest. And that makes sense, I feel like, because um, in the little quiz it says, when close people turn emotionally unavailable and neglect or suddenly vanish. And I'm like, that's true. That's valid. <laughs> I, I genuinely think, though, my rejection trauma comes from, well, I found myself being very much a people pleaser in mm. terms of my family, especially with my mom. Yeah. That's where my mommy issues stem. Like, <laughs> my mommy issues is like, I want to make sure I'm always in the best light in my mother's eyes. Really? Yes. I don't know. I feel, I seek her approval very much. Mm -hmm. So when I do feel rejected or if my mom dis feels disappointed in me, I feel like my world is crashing down. I felt that. I mean, I definitely felt that growing up, but I think now. I'm oh, now, yeah. Now, no, I don't care now. Not even now. I think, like, I started noticing high school. I was just like, yeah. I think also my mom has issues expressing. <laughs> yeah, call her out. Um, my mom has issues, I think, expressing how proud she is of me or, like, oh, I, I think you're doing amazing. I think you're doing well. So I would try to please her so much that I wasn't even getting the response that mm -hmm. I needed mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. feel like, oh, I'm pleasing her. So at a certain point, I'm like, she it's not like it's not like she gives a fuck anyway. Right. So yeah. you know, I think at at certain point I was just doing things for me, and I'm very happy that I'm just <laughs> I'm just clicking in the head <laughs> because I think a lot of the like academic approval mm -hmm. or like academic yes, success that I've had approval. was really truly for myself. Maybe mm -hmm. it wasn't for the right reasons. I feel like my academic like success it's just me wanting to get out of the hood yeah like it was me wanting to just do better for myself mm -hmm. I, it wasn't even at a certain point it just wasn't even to please my own mother mm -hmm. it was like literally for myself like mm -hmm. i just knew education was like the only way out yeah. yeah i agree i feel like for me um like that approval wasn't even it wasn't even just like approval in terms of like tell me that i'm smart tell me that i'm like doing good in school it was just like Telling me that you love me. Tell me that you care for me. And I think me and Natalia have definitely talked about this before. <laughs> it's, like, very similar the way that, like, our mothers operate in terms of, like, just lack of, like, um, like emotional availability, lack yeah. of gentleness, lack of care, really, um, especially emotional care. And then I feel like in terms of, like, education as well, for me, like, it was to kind of get my mother's attention. And then I realized, yeah, she don't care. Like, she's never going to be satisfied with what I do. Yeah. Like, She's just never going to respond in the way that I want her to. Mm -hmm. And then, like, for me, it was more escaping home and escaping, like, that toxic-ass environment because mm -hmm. I was like, I need to get out if I want to better mm -hmm. myself. No, mm -hmm. really. No, yeah. I I see what you guys are going through, but with my father's relationship, my father's very emotionally distant. He hasn't – he doesn't know how to give his love languages to his children. And I don't – you know, I don't blame – him i feel like a lot of the generational traumas that we're experiencing now is because our parents have projected them onto us mm -hmm. because they're also wounded like little kids who yeah. haven't dealt with their shit and that's why we're here no, doing really. the work so like if we do decide to start families like we're not pro projecting the same shit that we've gone through yeah. but oh my god other generational traumas me and iman were talking about this the other day we were talking about struggle love 
and how um, I feel like that's a generational trauma that has been passed down, especially in like our ethnic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what is struggle love to the people and to me? So I feel like the way struggle love kind of was like demonstrated to me is that like, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna speak about it in a heteronormative sense because I'm not in like a hetero I'm not heterosexual, but I feel like it definitely the way it was broadcasted to me was in the heteronormative sense. So like you stay with someone, your partner, mm-hmm. whoever they are, mm-hmm. like even if it's toxic, even if it, it doesn't uh. feel good, even if it's abusive, just mm-hmm. for the sake of like, oh, mm-hmm. we made it together. Mm-hmm. You know, like you stick for them, like you you stay with them through thick and thin. And I'm like, yes. what? Yes. And it's crazy because I feel like um with my mother, like I saw her definitely like push through some shit mm-hmm. that like she did not have to mm-hmm. put up with. Because of, like, oh, you're only a good partner when you stay mm-hmm. with that person through thick yeah. and thin. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to stay with them through their lows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I see that. I don't, uh, I definitely see that with my mother a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think I even see that more with my romantic relationships, like mm-hmm. past romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak on that a little more? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So, this narcissistic, I was dating, y'all. Keep putting, keep putting this name in there. Um, yeah, I was just in a very toxic relationship, and I think the way my mom taught me to love was the struggle love concept. Mm-hmm. And so I remember this is like, um, I don't know if you guys know like Gucci Mane, like he just got married. Like this was years ago, and I was still with him. And I remember like Gucci Mane really like cheated on his partner multiple times. And it wasn't until, like, he gave her this beautiful, expensive-ass wedding, and everybody's like, oh, so cute, so mm-hmm. this and that. And, you know, me seeing that in the media, I'm like, oh, my God, like, I need to stay with my partner through yeah. thick and thin. And, like, also seeing, like, you know, Cardi B get cheated on multiple times mm-hmm. and that bitch still being mm-hmm. with him, you know. I was seeing this all throughout high school, and I'm like, damn, like, thank God he's not even cheating on me. Yep. But, like, if these people can, like... Even Beyonce, bro. If I once once Beyonce got cheated on, I was like, it's clipped for me, like truly. Um, and I was just seeing this all through high school, and I was just like, wow, like I'm happy he's not cheating on me. So cheating to me is like the ultimate level. Mm-hmm. So all this shit that he's doing, like all the arguing, all this verbal abuse, which is which was 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 what it was, verbal abuse. All this verbal abuse is nothing. Because he's not cheating on me. Mm-hmm. This I can take. I should be able to take it. Because if these women, you know, who have it all, who have the money, who have the cars, are staying with these men who are cheating on them, mm-hmm. I should stay with him because, you know, he, at least he's not cheating on me. At least he's at least being loyal, or at least I think he is. And, um, you know, the, the arguments will go up and by, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we'll still be together. And I was really taking up the most toxic, crazy shit that I look back now, and I'm like, my new self would never, like, would mm-hmm. never. Like, I would literally ghost your ass in seconds now if someone yeah. were to do that shit to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we would start fighting. <laughs> I don't give a damn. Like, we would be fighting <laughs> if you do the shit that he did to me. And that shit is real. That shit is so real. Mm-hmm. So... The struggle love concept is false. It's all portrayed by the fucking media. Yeah, and I think it also teaches you some really toxic ass shit about love. Like, Mm. that it's okay to put up with the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And then it minimizes verbal, emotional, physical abuse. It's like, oh, but they do it out of love. And that's so crazy because when you're in abusive relationships, whether that's, you know, like romantic, et cetera, whatever, like, it just truly minimizes, like, 
the abuse. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like your abuser is like, oh, but like, you know. Like gaslights you. Yeah, not and really. it's like, oh, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm like, if you love me, you would Wouldn't not. have treat- done this in the first place. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Oh, I hate like when people like do that shit, like blame it on like, I love mm-hmm. you. But then I think of like, when I love someone, that doesn't even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, yes. then it also makes me start thinking like, oh, like everybody has their own different love languages. But then it's like. Bitch, that's not even a love language. That's, that's not love, <laughs> period. That's not even in love like i and when i'm in love with you i that wish it would never like abuse would never want to cross yeah. my mind because i love you so mm-hmm. deeply but maybe it's just because i love so hard and i always kept using that like oh i'm just i love you so hard but i guess you don't love mm-hmm. me as much but you still love me and you show me love in a different <sighs> way Mm-mm. i don't know if i made sense yeah but no. shit shit disgusting literally struggle love we do not support it this, no um, another generational trauma that I was thinking about is like mental illnesses our parents are going through and like they that's not being discussed mm. and then like their True. mental illnesses or like maybe even like untreated mental illnesses Ugh. are like projected onto us like I have a very huge problem with my mom and me being her therapist because of all the generational trauma that she's experiencing I bring in, you know, I provide her, like, this new language and stuff, like, these new ways of, like, you know, combating the shit that we go through in our daily lives, and she thinks that I'm her fucking therapist, I'm not being paid, this is free labor, and I'm like, I just, it just makes me realize how much untreated mental illnesses runs within our generations, Yeah, and... I don't know. I think that's also generational trauma because not only does she project it onto me too, but I feel like there's some similarities on how like my mental illnesses have come about like recently in the past years because yeah. mm-hmm. of that. What you guys? Think? I agree. I think my mom has is a very wounded soul. Mm-hmm. I think that woman has so much trauma from childhood. Yeah. That she has yet to even confront. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she's scared of confronting. I just don't know if she has taken the time to confront. I don't know what it is. I truly don't know. Mm-hmm. But my mom is so wounded from childhood that I could see it now in her present day adulthood life and how yeah. she treats her own children. Mm-hmm. And I think it's crazy that, like, what it goes to show that if you don't treat your generational trauma or your wounded, like, your wounded self, like, it will literally project you and haunt you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Regard- regardless of you even, like, feeling it, witnessing it, people will catch on. People yeah. will see it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, my mom has a lot of things to unpack. And, you know, as her daughter, I can only do so much. Mm-hmm. I can only do so much. There's this, um, I was just, you know, I was just looking up intergenerational trauma because I wanted to see, like, if this actually shifts, like, you know, genetically, like, it impacts you. It does. And mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this article. That's a little quote from. It's on health.com. Let me know <laughs> if y'all really want the full title. But it says, Drum, trauma, not trauma. Ooh. Trauma affects genetic processes leading to traumatic mm-hmm. reactivity being heightened in populations who experience a great deal of trauma. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's basically saying that, like, literally this shifts, like, your genetic makeup. Yeah. Like, you are literally wired different, differently after experiencing trauma. And then it's crazy because I feel like, when we're talking about our, like, right now we're talking about it, like, generationally within our parents, but if we kind of broaden the scope a little bit, like, if we all, if we, like, analyze this a little bit, like, 
all of our trauma is also rooted systematic systematically. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely like rooted to systems of oppression, systems mm-hmm. like that enforce hierarchies, white mm-hmm. supremacy, mm-hmm. you know, misogyny, patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera. And especially like when you talk about your mom, I think of like my mom and her literal like the physical abuse she's been through, but sexual abuse she's been through. Mm-hmm. And like she just laughs about it. She'd be like, huh. I'm like, girl, you need to you need to like go, go therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy because like this literally like affects how our parents are like genetically wired like this literally shifts and this is also like so much more bigger than that because like Mm -hmm. when we're not only dealing with our parents trauma but we're also dealing with the trauma of our ancestors Mm -hmm. and i read this book by by oscar wilde i forgot what it was oh Oh, uh, the brief wonders yes and i feel like juno diaz that book definitely like I feel like I started to grasp. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Trauma is so much bigger than just, like, your mother, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Like, it truly is, like, informed by higher systems. No. I think that reminded me we're all, we're all, we come from families of immigrants. And I think that's a prime example of this. Yeah. Because for me, at least a generational trauma that I see within my immigrant community is, like, poverty. mm and being low income, that is a generational trauma. And of course, systemic oppressions come mm-hmm. along with that. But the fact that we do come from an immigrant community, we see that, I don't know, there's been a cycle of like just living paycheck to paycheck, not yeah. gaining financial literacy. And that's like a generational trauma that I'm actively trying to combat like every mm. day. That's why I'm at a PWI. That's why I'm pursuing higher education. Because I want to combat this generational trauma that continues to affect like generations before me that shit is real and and money money Money. makes an impact like money will tear apart homes like Mm -hmm. i've seen it like the Mm -hmm. amount of times my parents have thought about money or just no it is like literally ridiculous and also just like the strain that money puts on you like Mm -hmm. think about it like you literally yeah like you're you have to figure out how to feed your family how to bring food on the table and sometimes like, not every family is able to do that. Like, that shit is hard. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's so crazy because money's just a piece of paper. A piece of paper we made up. Yes, so much value. We made up. Come on, econ major. Explain <laughs> to us money. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that's why I became an econ major, really. Like, real talk. And I wanted to learn more about financial literacy because my mom is terrible with her money. Literally, like... It was time for me to go to college, and I was lucky enough that I won, like, a full tuition scholarship because my mom had zero dollars for me to go in the bank. My mom had nothing. Like, there was no way I was able to pay 75K. Nothing. Like, my mom doesn't even have anything for my sister. Like, this is how ridiculous Mm -hmm. my mom is not even living paycheck to paycheck, but just debt on debt. Like, it's not even on paycheck. But I think... Just going off of that, like, I think one generational trauma, at least, like, I feel like I face and my family face being first gen is grief and loss. And I think Mm. coming from a different country, you want to take the whole world with you, Mm -hmm. and you can't. And so I feel like one thing my mom consistently do is she's a hoarder. Because she didn't get to take everything from Dominican Republic here, she tries, she has so much attachment to everything she has now. Mm -hmm. And she does not know how to deal with grief and lost and that's why she has such attachment issues and i Mm. think that's where 
my fucking attachment issue come from <laughs> mm-hmm. because of that like not having the time and space to grieve and loss and yeah. move on from situations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think it's just also way so much more complicated because like i like i don't have extended family here it's just like my mom my dad and then my siblings mm-hmm. and then like when you talk about like grief and loss like especially death like, if you think about it, like, our parents were literally just put here, like, especially if you're first generation and, like, they came here, you know, fresh off the boat, <laughs> like, really they're literally all by themselves, don't know the language, like, my mom kind of, like, she was talking to me the other, like, the other day about how truly, like, it's been so, like, destabilizing for her to be illiterate because, like, she felt so taken advantage of, so used. She was, like, I would literally go even to to go to the little food stamp offices. And she felt so, like, unintelligent. She felt so, like, she didn't feel in control of her life. Like, she constantly had to depend on someone else. And she felt, she was, like, I felt so alone here. Like, I had nobody. I'm in this, like, foreign-ass country where no one gives a shit about you. And it, it's hard. And, like, I think that also informs the way that we receive love from our parents, their attachments to certain things. Like, I feel like my mom is so detached because this country, like, transitioning from being mm-hmm. an immigrant to, you know, residing in this country yeah. has, like, literally been so violent for her. No so, way. like, she's so detached in the way she shows up. Yeah. That just makes me think how, you know, our parents, our families have came to this country, quote-unquote, seeking an American dream. Ugh. And when I tell you <laughs> the bullshit that statement has, <laughs> I feel like my father is not happy. Like, he came here because of economic reasons, you know, mm. to seek a, quote-unquote, better life. But is it really a better life? Like, now my parent, now my father wants to go back t- to DR. Like, he wants to move somewhere that's not only warmer but just more calm the atmosphere like we come from busy like very robust cities as well and that that like exhaustion of energy takes a toll on your mental health as Mm -hmm. well like my father is like i'm tired of working of working but again the generational traumas of poverty of not being financial literate just causes this cycle of like being so unhappy with the systemic oppressions that have been placed on you yeah and unfortunately, like, at least for my family, they, at least my parents, weren't able to get out of that system. Mm. But, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're existing, to get out of these systems and help our family along the way and, you know, quote-unquote, better the next generation that's coming after us. But, oh, my God, when I tell you this <laughs> generational trauma is a joke. And then wicked. that informs how we deal with money, too. Oh, like, please, please. I, okay. I feel like a part of my soul dies when I spend money. I You feel guilty. No, yeah. I you feel very guilty. I feel so picky with my money mm. because you just never know when you don't have money. Like, you just never know. Scarcity. Scarcity. Mm. Scarcity. Like, Check up I, our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Promo. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you guys have felt this, but... I felt, and I feel like I still continue to do this sometimes, I deprive of myself of such beautiful experiences because of money. Yeah. And it just drives me crazy because I don't want to do that. But that's the world that we live in. Yeah, I wanted to piggyback something Ma was saying of, like, you're talking about your mother. And I think it's, and that's what I meant by loss. Like, they give so much mm-hmm. up to come to this country. They lose so much. Like, they literally lose, like, interaction with family. They yeah. literally lose some of their identity. 
coming into this country. Mm-hmm. And that's a grief within itself. Like, that's something they're losing. They have to acknowledge. And I think, like, it's a, I feel like my mom is more attached compared to your mom being detached. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like my mom is like, I gave everything up. This is the only thing I have left. Wow. And, like, attaching and, like, holding on to that. Mm-hmm. And I think, like... I think that's why my mom really tries her best to really give us, like, everything she can. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm stuck here. Like, I'm stuck in America. Like, I'm literally counting on y'all to get me back out. Like, or, like, get me back to DR or get me wherever the hell I need to go or want to go, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think because my mom lost so much and has been grieving it, you know, it's like, this is my last hope type of vibe. Like, you're her last hope. Yeah, like, me and my siblings. And I think that's that's pressure. That's so mm-hmm. much pressure mm-hmm. that your parents are putting on you that they don't Oof. even acknowledge. Yeah. Like, I literally feel like, even just walking on campus on a normal day, I feel like there's so much on my shoulders. Like, yeah. I'm literally carrying being first generation, mm-hmm. literally being, like, a woman and econ, like, literally being my mom's last hope of, like, so like literally social security and survival um and just so much more like that doesn't even like go into play that probably i haven't even fully acknowledged i try not to think about it because i will go crazy because how am i i'm struggling to maintain myself i need to maintain my siblings and my parents at some point too and Mm -hmm. oh my god when i and and that's like something that we have seen at least that i've seen like within my family and generations like once your parents reach a certain age you take care of them yeah and retirement homes are like a no no in retirement no it, my mom was like you better not put me in a retirement yeah. home yeah i was like that's like forbidden mm-hmm. forbidden and you know when as first gen we have we are coming in into a culture where individualism is heavily heavily like infiltrated in our everyday lives mm-hmm. yet our communities are not that at all what's the it's very communal based. Com- communal base mm-hmm. but the way that we're being raised in this individualist society is constantly contradicting with how our you know our cultural practices um embrace communal like efforts but like that is so hard <laughs> to do when you're low income when you're trying to navigate these systems that are like placed mm-hmm. against you and all that stuff i like please does my father even know what a retirement fund is like i <laughs> no he doesn't does he know what a 401k is oh no bitch he don't he don't and i feel like that tension for us to carry is so it's so like draining but it's also draining. like very taxing to your mm-hmm. mental health and then also i feel like the idea that like you know i think we're also combating and kind of trying to unpack, like, how do we extend ourselves to our family? But also, how do we create these boundaries? Because mm-hmm. a lot of us come from not so great, you know, households, like, very toxic yeah. environments. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I want to support my family, but, like, how much am I willing, and not even how much am I willing, how much am I capable of giving mm-hmm. to my family to the point where it, like, you know, it takes a toll on me? Because mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why I left for college was because I could not support my family anymore. Like, I physically had to take a break from that space. Otherwise, Lord knows. Lord knows where I would be. (laughs) And, like, the idea that, like, we kind of have to come back to this. Like, we are Mm -hmm. caught in this perpetual cycle of supporting Mm -hmm. our family, supporting our, you know, Mm -hmm. loved ones. But then, like, who is there to support us? I don't know. And that's why we're doing this work. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. I think some outcomes of my generational trauma is anxiety. 
That bitch. shit makes me fucking anxious. I am an anxious bitch. <laughs> panic <laughs> attacks on panic attacks. Stomach problems. <laughs> Gut issues. Gut issues. <laughs> Everything issues. Like, um, I feel like it's a lot of pressure. It makes me so anxious. Like, sometimes I, mm-hmm. maybe I'm a little bruja. I don't know. But I literally wake up anxious when I know just something's going to happen. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's tiring. It's tiring to mm-hmm. feel anxious, to have these panic attacks, to lose sleep, to, like, literally have the pressure of, like, the world. And it's crazy because I remember I was talking about this to someone, and they literally was like, you're not the only one. Like, it was yeah. kind of like a suck it up, like, we're all going through the same thing. I don't like that. And it was just like, no, like, I don't think you understand my problems. Like, (laughs) I don't care if we're both first gen. Like, I think there's also a difference that comes into play. Like, when you come from a toxic household to Mm -hmm. a healthy, loving parent, like, Mm -hmm. even a two-parent household, like, that makes a difference. It does. That makes a difference. And I think also just, like, that was one of the biggest reasons, like, going to college as well. Like, I felt like I really was just anxious. I needed to take a break and I needed to, you know, exclude myself mm-hmm. from the conversation. But another outcome was feeling guilty. Everything I do, I feel oh guilty. God. When I spend money, I feel guilty. When I mm-hmm. let when I even when I drink, I feel guilty. I feel guilty. Cause I'm like, why am I drinking? I should be on a laptop, being productive, making money and making something for my family. I don't know. It makes me guilty <laughs> about mm-hmm. every fucking mm-hmm. thing I did. And um, I even felt guilty leaving my family to go to college. Oh, speak on that. And I'm, shout out to um, this mentor I had. His name is Terrell. And he, I remember like, first of all, my mom was making me feel guilty that I was leaving. That was the first thing. Like, she was like, why are you going to go? Why are you going to, like, abandon us? Like, why are you leaving us? And I remember, like, I was telling him, like, damn, like, Taking the scholarship and going away to another college made me feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was just like, honestly, it might feel like your parents are stuck in a burning building and you're leaving them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, that's what it feels like. And he was like, honestly, you going to college, though, it's like you're getting the hoses, the water to yeah. come and save them from the burning mm-hmm. building. Like, you can't save them when you don't have the resources. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you going to college is getting the degree, the resources mm-hmm. that you need to take them out the burning building, which to me is the Bronx. And I remember I was like, yeah. like, And I truly think like that's how I... Try not to feel guilty about going away from college. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm literally just getting the resources that they need mm-hmm. to to get out of the burning building. And, and you, that's how I see it. And you have to take yourself out of the bur- burning building first in order for you to save them. Yeah. You can't be in that building burning mm-hmm. with them in order to save them. Yeah. And I wish, I wish they understood that, too. Because when I tell you, I was struggling. Like, me making the decision of going away really took a toll on me, especially as an older sibling especially having younger siblings who I knew needed my support and who still do, but, oh, my God. When I tell you, I felt guilt, guilt, guilt. And I still I still feel guilt. I think that's a generational trauma that I will always feel, and, you know, we try to work on it as we go, but I just wish our parents knew that perspective, yeah. knew that reasoning, because, again, like, they continue to... I, I don't know. I feel like my mom sometimes still makes me feel bad for going away like my mom has said before like I don't know how I feel about you know me letting you go away for college and I wish she could see the growth that I'm doing not only for myself 
but the growth that I'm going to bring into my family mm-hmm. within yeah. the next generation, within the next couple of years, especially financially. So I don't, it's like a it's a constant battle. It's a constant battle. And anxiety. I, bitch, I didn't even know I had anxiety till I had it. So somebody was like, that's anxiety. I was like, oh, I, I'm mentally ill. <laughs> I'm self-diagnosed, though, but... I, that's still valid, but damn, I did not know, and I have very, I don't, I, like Natalia, I have a hard time sleeping. Sleep for me, when I can't sleep, is because there are some underlying factors that are mm-hmm. coming in play, and I'm, like, trying to fight it, but um, any, any comments, Iman? Oh, I felt the anxiety part. Um, just uh, the panic attacks are just uh, so <laughs> draining, but also, I think, um, yeah, I feel like guilt is definitely something that I have navigated as well. Like, literally going back home during the pandemic was just so hard for me mm-hmm. because my mom was literally like, we're still stuck struggling here, yeah. and you're out there doing you. And mm-hmm. I, it felt like a slap in the face it because did. I was like, you don't even know what I'd be going through there. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I have to put on a strong face for you. You think I like being here? You think I like being one of the only POC? Not even only, but, like, one of the few POC, like, one of the only, you know, femme-presenting, non-binary people of color, the only Muslim person. Like, you think that shit feels good? It doesn't. Like, it feels very isolating and lonely here. I'm constantly doubting myself. And, like, Mm -hmm. I really had to sit down and be like, you think that shit is shits and giggles? It's not. Like, it's hard. Like, I have to mentally wake up and decide that I am going to persist every single day being at this mm-hmm. bum ass institution yeah. and then she was like oh i didn't know it you struggled i was like i can't tell you that when i come home you're constantly like you know oh like you're out there doing you you know you've left us you don't support us i'm like who's supporting me though who's supporting me though nobody and i think bro my mom is the same way like i think low-key they built up some type of anger yeah. mm-hmm. they feel yeah. some type of rage mm-hmm. like and i think me and emily had this conversation where like mm-hmm. our parents at least I'm gonna speak for myself. At least my mom feel like me going to college was like the worst decision. Of no, my mom yeah. feels the same way too. <laughs> letting me go yeah. to college was the worst decision mm-hmm. of my life, and I felt like even if I sat down and had that conversation mm-hmm. about my mom with my mom about the struggles I go through to college, I feel like she still yeah. wouldn't comprehend that, and that's okay because I will never understand what it's like to move to another country mm-hmm. and start a whole life there. I would never understand yeah. that. Who knows, maybe in the future. But I will never understand the struggles mm-hmm. of going to a foreign country where you don't even speak the language. Yeah. And that's struggles that we will never understand for each other. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it brings some type of anger. And I think going about the building, you know, a little metaphor situation, it's like they're burning in the building and they can't see what's outside. They can't yeah, see yeah. the struggle for you to get the resources to save them. They can't see that. They yeah. literally cannot see the struggles that you go through. Because they're so they're still stuck in the fire. And they're mm-hmm. so angry and hell I don't I don't want to say angry, but there there's so much rage and emotions in yeah. in the building mm-hmm. that goes on. Oh, this and I remember I told my mom that once. I was like, You're angry. I don't know why you're angry, but you're putting it on to me. And I don't feel like you even realize that you're projecting all these emotions on your children. And it takes a toll. And I remember and my mom, she has a tendency to think that to feel attacked when people are holding her accountable. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But again, like it's all generational trauma as well. Like she hasn't had 
the space to really be held accountable, especially with her parenting. And mm-hmm. we're not, and we're all saying this not to like shit on our parents. Like, no, 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 no. Like, we understand generational trauma, like Imam was saying. It goes beyond, like, beyond our inter, interconnected, like, dynamics. Like, it's, it goes beyond our parents. Like, these are all stemming from systemic oppressions, mm-hmm. from historical, like, factors as well, like, all that stuff. But again, there needs to be a space for accountability. And yeah. I think that's why it's so important for us to build up on our how to be held accountable, et cetera, within our own lives. Because we also want our parents to be held accountable for the trauma that they have projected onto us, whether it was intentional or not. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I remember I was talking to my mom one day, and I was like, Ma, you're not a bad mom. Like, no one is perfect, first of all. Like, and I still love you, and I still love how the way that you mothered us and and all, but there are flaws. You have made some mistakes, and that is okay. And I love you as your daughter so much where I'm not going to make you seem like a bad person for it yeah. because, again, it's out of her control. There's so many other factors that come into play. So we're not here to t- shit talk about her parents. We know it goes more beyond them. And that's hard. Like, it's holding hard. that much grace for your family is mm-hmm. hard, especially when you come, when you are, like, coming from a very abusive household, which yeah. is, like, my experience. Like, my mother has not only been emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, and physically abusive as well. And it's, like, the fact that I can truly hold grace mm-hmm. for you, even though, like, you have caused me so much harm. Mm-hmm. Like, that just goes to show how much I love. And not saying that you need to cause, like, you need yeah. to hold this grace for abusers. Because if you wanted to, you don't have to. Like, oh, yeah, for you sure. don't, especially when you have been caused mm-hmm. harm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that is not something you owe to anybody. But yeah. for me, like, mm-hmm. I know that my mom has been through so much violence. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to comprehend how I would show up in the world if mm-hmm. I had endured that violence. And, like, I think, like, she, when. When I held my mother accountable, like, when we as a family held her accountable, she felt very attacked. Like, she started crying. She was like, I'm a shitty mother. Like, I should have just never had kids. And I'm like, bro, no one is saying that. Mm -hmm. You've hurt me so much that I love you enough to come and have this conversation Mm -hmm. with you instead of walking around with all this pent-up anger because that's what I've been doing. I've been running away from you. But here I am sitting there with you, holding you accountable, even though that shit is hard for me. And I need someone to... Hold me, because, <laughs> bitch, this abuse? What the fuck? <laughs> no, that shit is real. And that takes a lot to hold someone accountable, to even just be mm-hmm. in the same space and literally just be vulnerable and sh- share your feelings about... the. And uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And yeah. I still need to do that with my own mother. Yeah. But honestly, I feel like we're not trying to shit talk our mm-hmm. families, our parents, because they literally did the best that they could with the situations yeah. that they had and the knowledge and vocabulary that they had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now moving on to us, I think that's why it has made me be so appreciative that I, ha- not even that I had this trauma, not to say that, but that I found people mm-hmm. and I found the language, the vocabulary, the resources that I need to heal from my generational trauma, yeah. that it makes me want to be completely different mm-hmm. for my for my kids or the future generation. Mm-hmm. 
and I think it makes me want to be more open, more vulnerable with them. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to, like, if I could take classes on how to be a good parent. Yeah. And I think it's also made me very hesitant to even have kids because Same. It, the world is so dangerous. There's so much that goes on. Yeah. There's so much trauma that I, I know I, I probably won't fully heal. And I, yeah, I, just I'm just hard scared. waking up some days. <laughs> this past week, we just had midterm week. Mm. <laughs> I was like, damn, it's hard being human. <laughs> it is. Um, a question that's kind of similar. Um, it's like two questions in one. Like, what are some behaviors or actions you do because of your generational trauma? And then I added, is being toxic or having toxic tendencies a part of having generational trauma? <laughs> I thought the toxic tendencies would be funny. Nah, some people just want to be toxic because they want to yeah. be. Oh, no, yeah. That's, we can say that. Because, again, remember the quote that we opened with. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You are not responsible for your trauma, but you are responsible for your healing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I'm going to just say that because mm-hmm. yeah. you're going <laughs> to highlight it. Highlight <laughs> no, I do. And I remember, I, and you don't even realize you be doing some shit. Because for me, a toxic tendency of mine is that I can be a little... Um, uh, <laughs> A little passive aggressive. <laughs> mm. A little passive aggressive. And mm. I see that in my mother when she's being passive aggressive. Mm. And then the same way that I like responded to her passive aggressive is the same way that I also respond to how people act passive aggressive around me. Mm. But then I also am passive aggressive as well. So I'm just like, oh, not me being toxic or like having this toxic tendency, but mm. it all comes from trauma trauma you also learn you pick up on your parents um like coping Mm -hmm. mechanisms how they maneuver you learn to maneuver in that same way because it's taught to you especially when you're still child you know like you Mm -hmm. are learning how to operate in this world from your parents Mm -hmm. and kind of to piggyback on that i'm also a very avoidant and passive aggressive person because i feel like i've just grown up with so much violence and someone who's such a very like confrontational person that, like, I truly hate confrontation. Like, if I have to pretend like you do not exist, like, you could be sitting right in front of me, and I'll, I'll pretend like you're not there <laughs> to avoid confrontation. I cannot testify to that. No, because me and Emily were literally just having a conversation about this yesterday. Like, I will go on my phone, and I'll pretend like... It's a no eye contact for me. Yeah, no. I avoid <laughs> eye contact. I avoid it at all costs. But I think acknowledging it and not perpetuating Mm -hmm. it further is like the best thing that you can do for yourself and for the others around you and i think also being surrounded by people who are committed to healing is so important because they will they will let you know about your toxic tendencies and i have definitely been called out about my toxic tendencies by the people in this room they'd be like (laughs) right now no yeah and i think that is why i don't know Thinking back, I wonder why certain friendships of mine didn't, like, last. And it's because they were probably doing toxic tendencies that kind of drove me away. But when you Mm -hmm. are in a community where you can talk about and also recognize each other's toxic tendencies from the trauma that you have, Mm -hmm. not only do you give each other grace, but you can also hold each other accountable in Mm -hmm. that space. Like, I could go up to your mom and be like, X, Y, and Z, you acted like this, I'm thinking. And I'd be up front, I'd be like, it's a little toxic what you did. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the trauma creeping in. And for my friend to be like, oh, I can see that. Thank you for telling yeah. me and stuff. That's that's a safe space. Yeah. yeah. And vice versa. 
I agree. My mom was literally the same way. So she's very confrontational. But then she's also very petty. And mm-hmm. I think that's where I got my pettiness from. Truly. Uh, Natalia, mom, you, you major <laughs> and minor yeah. in petty, bitch. <laughs> grudges my mom is, is fucking petty like this is the petty queen and i'm just a princess like <laughs> i am pe- i'm petty i will literally no bitch we're trying to dethrone you like yeah no no, no literally <laughs> dethrone you this is not cute no because if you do me foul i promise you you will hear from me mm-hmm. i don't know how but you will hear from me because there's no fucking way i don't know how or just they, or they just won't hear from you. Oh too. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how, but they won't hear. But they know I'll be mad. Um, <laughs> one or the other. You'll know how I feel without me even having me be vulnerable and tell me how I feel. I could be a little petty too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking at me to be like, oh yeah, I'm petty too? <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I definitely can. I think we all are. At this yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like for me, um, I don't do. I do it as a. Like, when I'm petty, it's because I'm afraid to be vulnerable with you. Yeah. Like, I'm afraid to extend myself and be like, hey, I did this, or you did this thing, or I did this thing, or we did this thing, and I feel like it was not great, and, like, let's work on it. So either I avoid you, or I act hella petty. Um, and I feel like <laughs> neither neither are useful. And I truly <laughs> feel like being, like, in community with y'all has really taught me, like, you can either continue to utilize these toxic mm-hmm. ass toxic ass habits and risk losing like very meaningful relationships and hurting the people that you love or you could pitch it, put your big girl panties on and deal with your trauma and own up to your actions yeah yeah, yeah. i think you're right i use i use pettiness as a coping mechanism and mm. it's like sometimes i just i'm i think sometimes when i'm really petty I'd be so petty to the point, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I even doing this for? Because yeah. then I acknowledge, <laughs> I acknowledge that I was fucking extremely petty. And, and I'm that's, like, you know, that's how you know your higher self is like, bitch, what the bitch. fuck are you trying to do? This, this ain't you. This ain't mm-hmm. me. And then I'm like, where the fuck did I even get this from? <laughs> and then I come back to generational trauma. Yep. It's my fucking mother. Like, I literally get the pettiness from her. And then I'm, and then at a certain point, it's just like, all right, Natalia, cut the act. Like, just stop being petty. And then that's when I just start ghosting. And then that's another issue within itself, bro. Ghosting? Ghosting is another toxic tendency? ghosting i could ghost someone so quick it's ridiculous like the way i feel like my i don't know about y'all but i grew up with a chismosa like mother (laughs) and i truly felt like growing up my mother has never had consistent friends it's always Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you talk shit you go to the next one you know my grandma's like that yeah and i truly felt like and I don't think I see this with my friendship, but I do see it with partners. I can go someone really quick or mm-hmm. on a date or something because you truly did something that I just did not like. And I mm-hmm. and I felt like I didn't give you grace or I didn't give mm-hmm. you the opportunities you needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, another toxic tendency is, um, like, ignoring my feelings, like, brushing it under the rug. <laughs> and that's Same. kind of where, like, my passive-aggressiveness kind of comes mm-hmm. along because I'm not like, confronting these emotions of mine to you. Like, I see how, like, my father is very passive-aggressive. Like, he Mm -hmm. is definitely one to just brush all emotions under the rug just to avoid conflict. And Mm -hmm. I'm not very a confrontational person. If anything, I try to avoid it as much as I can because I've seen that those conflicts happen between my mom and my father, and I just hate that 
hate that energy surrounded around like conflict that's not being held in a safe space. Mm-hmm. So I try my best to avoid it, and it brings me a lot of anxiety too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. whenever I try to confront someone, I don't know, I I can't. I'm not myself. Like then my Pisces and energy comes in. Like, my Pisces and Sag are, like, fighting. I'm like, bitch, you're so mad. Like, you should confront them. But then my Pisces is like, this is too much emotions. Like, I just want to cry in my room because I'm, why am I so angry? <laughs> That's really wh- how my little brain works. I think something that I've also learned about confrontation is that, one, it doesn't need to involve yelling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. need to involve yep. putting your hands on someone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to involve you being, like, emotionally abusive or being, like, very... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like gaslighting the person. You can have confrontation in a very, very healthy way. Yeah. And if you like use I statements, if you you know mm-hmm. are like setting standards and boundaries before you approach the conversation, conflict can actually be very safe. And it's crazy because I never ever ever knew that. And I think something that's also very important to question is like why you don't feel like safe confronting certain people or having certain conversations when there is when when conflict does arrive because I, I think that is also like when you have this trauma and you're not necessarily feeling the safest that's also kind of a sign to kind of like listen to like because mm-hmm. oftentimes like people are not extending that safety to you mm-hmm. like especially when you come from emotionally unavailable mothers and toxic ass households confrontation feels very vulnerable it feels like it's the end of the world when you're about to Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. confront this person about a boundary that has you know been um exceeded crossed or whatever the case may be so i feel like safety is a very very important like component of any dynamic whether that's romantic like familial etc like you need to feel safe in order Mm -hmm. for you to be able to kind of have these types of conversations yeah, because yeah. they're all vulnerable. They are. They really are. And I, I think you bring up a good point. Confrontational doesn't have to be, or doesn't have to be abusive or uh, violent or aggressive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had to learn that the hard way. I literally had to confront someone <laughs> this, <laughs> this past week. Yep. And but there were so many approaches that I could have gone no about it. There was at some point we were like, Natalia, we don't blame you if you just want to, you know... If you want to tussle. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. want to throw some hands. But I feel like at some point in life, you just really have to just be in tune with your higher self and, yeah. like, honestly deal with things with grace and, like, mm-hmm. appropriateness and just honestly move forward. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's truly, truly a chore and so draining to it be is. mad, to be mad, to be sad. Like, having feelings is hard. I don't... <laughs> When I said be human is hard, y'all. Like it's real, especially having feelings. Like the only good feeling is being happy. It is, and I it's and sometimes it's really hard to achieve in many situations of our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think being angry just takes up so much time, space, and energy of my life Mm -hmm. that at some point it's like I need to confront you so I can move forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because then, again, like, that weight on you, mm-hmm. whether it's anger or whether it's guilt, like, mm-hmm. it just all, like, you feel dragged along yeah. throughout your journey in life, which is not, not fun at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh. and sometimes confrontation is needed, regardless of the situation. Yeah, because bitches need to get humbled sometimes. No, <laughs> <laughs> no for real, though. <laughs> but I think sometimes, like, it clears the air. Like, I feel like 
what need when a situation that needs confrontation is when it's being dragged along but it's yeah. also like you've never spoken with this person about mm-hmm. it like you're having all these feelings like bubbling up mm-hmm. and it's literally making you feel drained and tired it's yeah. like have this confrontation because you know there's tension already yeah. mm-hmm. i hate i hate walking around campus i hate walking around life feeling tension with someone mm-hmm. sometimes once you have that confrontation you just pack it up uh, and go yeah for real for real and i think also forgiveness something that like i learned in therapy is forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person it's for yourself yeah it oh, is amen to that yeah cuz I felt very angry with the generational trauma that I've experienced with my parents. Mm. But again, like that forgiveness, giving grace to them, it it helps me to heal from the generational trauma. Mm. And of course, easier said than done. Sometimes I feel like I was only capable of giving forgiveness, giving grace to my family because I went away to college. Because mm. I would have stayed in that same, like in that burning building, like just struggling and not really finding myself in that process yeah so as much as our parents see like are in the burning building and don't see us like you know seeking out these resources to save them and they perpetuate you know anger all these raged emotions and stuff we know why we're doing this yeah and that's what really matters yeah it's a lot healing is a lot and healing sometimes is expensive because it's therapy shit. <laughs> no, literally. I'm lucky I got Medicaid, bro, because... <laughs> mm. I'm lucky I got good friends that I could vent with. <laughs> <laughs> I be telling Iman, I'm like, Iman, what did your ther- therapist say this week, you know? I remember there was one week we were talking, Iman, you know, doing they doing their therapy. And I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of like the, my own little therapy session I have with myself this week. <laughs> I need to get a therapist, y'all. But I was like, ooh, you know, we healing in community. I love it. <laughs> no, really, though. Yeah. Um, um, c- can we say, like, this can be our last question? Yeah. Okay. Um, how has trauma informed the way you move through the world and how you form connections with the people around you? How have you um, also, you know, made decisions out of generational traumas? Yeah. But, you know, convert that into more of a positive like way of maneuvering spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think for me, I don't know what came upon me, but I feel like for me, I was very lucky to learn that I had generational trauma at an early age. Yes. You know, I think that's what spearheaded my decision to go away for college. Mm-hmm. That's what spearheaded my decision to do a lot of the decisions that I've made, even in this present day, career wise. Friendship-wise, academic-wise, like, everything has been because of my generational trauma. But because I learned about it in such an early age, I think it has made me, one, want to heal, but want to be better than my mm-hmm. than my parents. Want to be mm-hmm. better than my ancestors. Want to be the better version of myself for the future generation. Because I... I felt so much guiltness, like guiltiness, so much anxiety, so much grief, so much loss because of generational trauma. I would never want to put that on anyone else. Yeah. I feel like I would want it to stop with me because I mm-hmm. I would want my future kids to never experience. 333. Three, three. Ah! <laughs> I would never want my kids to experience the trauma that I have. Mm-hmm. 
I would want it to be like some stupid shit than like actual fucking grief and loss, you know? Yeah. Like I had a rough day in school. All right, whatever. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want it to be like, yeah, like, you know, I don't know how I feel about moving across another country or like mm-hmm. having to go, you know, do some crazy shit, you know? I would never want them to experience generational trauma the way I did. That's beautiful. I think the trauma that I've experienced and also like the generational familial trauma that um, kind of has like surfaced in my family um, has informed all of my decisions, I think. But I think that the biggest one was choosing to go to college Mm. and then like coming to college and then realizing that I was making a lot of trauma informed decisions. And I've been learning so many lessons, ones that I don't necessarily want to learn and that have hurt so much. But I think regardless, I'm so, so, like, grateful for everything. Like, for, like, every decision leading up to the present moment. Because I truly, like, I really feel like every time I'm learning, I'm growing. And even though often there's so much pain that comes with that growth, I'm, like, becoming a a better person. I'm becoming the person that my childhood self dreamed of. Like, mm-hmm. I'm becoming the person that I wanted to save me from that b- burning Aww. building. And I think that that's what, like... That's beautiful. Oh, stop it. No, really. <laughs> I agree, though. Because, like, I was waiting, and I was like, my parents are waiting for me to save them, but then I'm like, mm-hmm. shit, who's going to save me? And I feel like getting out and being here, being at the school, being in community with you all, you know, making my own mistakes, going to therapy, everything... Like, every small decision and big decision in my life has led up to me becoming the person that my childhood self needed, that my family needs, that my ancestors need. And I think that that truly, like, I'm so grateful just to be here, just to be in this area, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just to piggyback on both of y'all, it has definitely informed my decision. I definitely believe that my higher self knew that I was having generational traumas at a very early age and I think that's why I made such a very risky and scary decision of like going away at 18 to go away for college and stuff and I'm I'm and I'm firm believer in trusting my intuition and my intuition was telling me ah you need to save yourself Emily Mm -hmm. like or else you're never gonna be the person that you want to be you're never gonna grow in the same environment that actually makes you very unhappy. Mm-hmm. And again, like, although <laughs> we're navigating all these different spaces, we're realizing generational traumas and all that, this and that, it's all necessary for our growth in the long run. And, you know, we just got to go through very, very harsh moments <laughs> to get to the like your mom was saying, like to the to get to become the person that we've always dreamed of, that yeah. our childhood selves were seeking mm-hmm. to like yeah. like just touch and be like, okay, we could be that person. But again, like we make sacrifices along the way, you know, and generational trauma doesn't necessarily leave you. You just learn to, you know, handle it. Yeah. It it never leaves. It and never. I think that's something that I have to come to consensus with because I feel like oh I'm away at college like I, it is gonna go away no like I'm going home tomorrow and those generational trauma triggers are gonna show up mm. and you know I'm gonna put a smile and I'm gonna just connect with my higher self 
and you know do my little therapy unpacking sessions in my head and keep it going because mm-hmm. I know I want to be a particular person I want to be better for myself I want to be better for my future self for mm-hmm. the next generation that comes after me and also I want to make my parents proud even though they don't realize it wow you sometimes can't grow in the same um, environment that hurt you mm-hmm. and I think that's why we all kind of went away for college yeah. and left and saved ourselves before we could save anyone else mm-hmm. and that's that's what this healing process is literally mm-hmm. saving ourselves by yeah. healing mm-hmm. so that we don't perpetuate or we don't cause harm for other people as well mm-hmm. yeah but thank you guys for joining us with um, for another episode of the kitchen table i hope you guys liked it any last comments any words i just want to say that wounds never really go away you just learn how to carry the wounds mm. Mm. That's good, that's good. That's a good one. I want to roll to that. (laughs) 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 I remember in high school, somebody was like, baby, you butter because you got me, you on a roll today. Something (laughs) like a butter roll. (laughs) It's mad corny, but it just reminded me of that. Okay, um, thank you again, guys, for joining in. Um, Oh, wait, I'll cut that out. Wait, I'm getting a little glitch in the system. Should I just leave this? Or yeah, it's silly. Yeah. A little <laughs> edit. Uh, a little edit. <laughs> okay, guys. Peace Thank and you. love. No, Thank if you, you made it this far, you a real one. That's <laughs> what you got to say. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, these bitches are just <laughs> rambling at this point. Okay. Um, thank you guys for joining um, this episode of The Kitchen Table. We'll see you soon. Bye.